I love that one uh, roll that Peter does where he goes. Yeah. There and you I'm go. doing the toggle switch stuff. I love that. All <laughs> right. Still living. You know, this is the start of something really big. And when something feels good, it only She's gets outside. bigger. That's right. So, <laughs> well, we want to play thank, with us and we get bigger. Want to thank. <laughs> All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. And with that familiar music, you are listening to your podcast. How are you today, folks? We hope everything is going good with you. It's time to play hooky with the Wookiee. Hit his intro music. Meet, meet you in the kiss room. Meet, meet you in the kiss room. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Porter, how are you today, sir? <laughs> Fantastic. You know what? I want to thank Fran Galanti. He's the one that made that song. I love it. I play it on my show all the time, too. I'm thrilled that you play it. How many podcasters have their own intro music? <laughs> Speaking of intro music, Gene Simmons is teaming up with the WWE. And I know you're a huge wrestling fan. And, of course, you're a huge Kiss fan. So would you tell us a little bit about what you your, your understanding of it is? Well, you know what? It looks like from all the reports that it's Gene starting or Gene being part of the launch of, of this new company, which they're calling Erebus Pictures. And, um, you know, obviously teaming up with WWE. I think in my mind, I like the idea that it's Gene Simmons and Vince McMahon somehow kind of getting together on things. I think WWE films or WWE studios as they're called now actually I mean they've they've put out a ton of movies I mean a lot of them you probably haven't seen most people probably haven't seen them a lot of them are direct to DVD or on demand or whatever Uh but uh, you know I I like the idea I think you know if if you figure look even if you just go with the idea that they're two very well-known brands whether you're thinking of WWE or Kiss there's a lot of money that can be spent and if they can give anyone you know young filmmakers or new filmmakers or old filmmakers whoever a chance to put out new horror movies or sci-fi movies i think it's cool yeah and and these these do seem to be horror and sci-fi related correct on the announcement they talked about a uh, a movie that would be the first one out wwe said it's called temple and it's a team of highly trained operatives who find themselves trapped blah 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 it'll be perfect for that formula because you know one of them will probably be john cena or the miz or or some of those wwe guys and if you look through the wwe studio filmography they're all kind of that action oriented um you know fun kind of movies i think and it's a chance to see some wwe divas probably in scantily you know clothed in uh, in perilous situations so well and you know what it's funny the other night when uh, when WWE Raw was in the Staples Center Paul Stanley and his family are sitting right behind the announce table and obviously I think Paul's youngest son is a big wrestling fan I think he's 9 years old or whatever mm-hmm. obviously look we all I watched a lot of WWE or it was WWF back then, yeah. you know, when I was nine years old. So it's like it was cool. And there he was sitting there. And at some point, you know, it was so funny. People would comment, oh, how can Paul watch this fake crap? And you go, oh, well, let's turn to that documentary, The Walking Dead. I mean, it's, it's all fake. You know, what I, mean? yeah. I think in some ways, WWE, a lot of the people that are in it, you know, they are it's it's acting. It's a live action stunt show. So the idea of movies you know, I think it makes I think it makes perfect sense, and I think you you do have names 
that become well known. There's a certain built-in marketability. I mean, obviously, like The Rock. If you put The Rock in a movie, he's a ton of movies. You know, even when Kane was in, they did one called See No Evil that had Kane. Uh-huh. And you go, well, I'm a WWE fan, so there's a certain extra, you know, kind of added bonus that hey, look, it's Kane or or Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, you know, there's there's so many. You know, what's funny is the WWE just put out a movie called it was uh, a Scooby Doo movie. It was Scooby Doo yeah. WrestleMania movie or <laughs> WrestleMania mystery or something. I mean, how cool would it be if they could partner up with the Kiss brand and have animated Kiss movies? I would love that. Well, one never knows. I guess we will see. One never knows. One never knows. <laughs> In a world where... Well, you know, I think uh, Gene Simmons, obviously, as he starts to move away, there. I mean, we all talk about it. I mean, at some point, there will be no more Kiss, and or there'll be Kiss 2.0, and they'll all be retired. But you know what? I would love it if Gene would do, like, the Gene Simmons Chamber of Thrills, and every Saturday night, he'd be on there with a new horror movie, but he could come out in the makeup and come out of a coffin. I mean, obviously, everybody who knows... Zachary or Dr. Shock or Svengoolie or son of Svengoolie. But I mean, imagine that. Like, you know, Gene comes out and the older he gets, the creeper he would look, it would be perfect. And they could have, you know, young girls in kind of Elvira, you know, uh, love gun girl kind of outfits. And he'd be, this is Gene Simmons. And tonight, you know, we're watching Invaders from Mars 1953 with uh, Lou Costello's girlfriend. And uh, Hillary Briggs was the child of, of the mother of the child. <laughs> And any kids fan, you know what so that's much. from. I would love that so much. <laughs> it it really has to happen. I mean, uh, you especially know, the older Gene gets, and God bless you, Gene. We love you, but you know, you look at Grandpa Al Lewis, and and he he milked that character forever, and Gene's gonna milk the demon character forever. And there's it, it's his character to milk. So right, I wanna I I wanna see as much Gene as I can in my life. I wanna see as much Kiss as I can in my life. I wanna enjoy this while I can. And if we could get, you know, Saturday night with some sci-fi or horror movies, even better. Old, old Betamax movies and my little straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> There's been some really cool stuff going on in the KISS podcasting world. KST put a show up recently. Strange Ways did a really cool episode with Chris Sinzak, and they gave the podcast and uh, all of us a lot of love. That was really cool. And I, I, have, I have one coming out where I'm a guest on Strange Ways, so that's pretty neat. And of course, there's Podcast Rock City, and KissFact has a podcast called the KissFact Podcast. Check them out as well. Uh, Jeff Gray's Watching You Kiss talk show and Pot of Thunder, which I'd like to get some ads from those guys so we could run them in the show. I think that would be neat. You know, how about that? Did you listen to the latest with Joe where he talked about getting his, uh, he met Peter Chris and got yeah. the tattoo inked, you know? How cool is that? That is pretty neat. So check out all those shows. And there's one we want to kind of bring a little extra attention to, and it is Decibel Geek, and they spoke to producer Toby Wright, who produced what album, man? Carnival of Souls, and that's yes. a two-parter on Decibel Geek, and it's fantastic. I mean, it really, the fact that they could sit down and he would give them that much time to literally go through track by track, explaining everything, going through details. I mean, it's it's really incredible. That's as good as anything you're going to hear. And all of these shows are podcast approved, and here's Chris and Aaron themselves to talk about that episode. Take it away, guys. Hey, guys, it's Chris from the Decibel Geek Podcast. Ken and the rest of the podcast crew wanted me to let you know that we recently interviewed producer Toby Wright about his experience working with Kiss on the Carnival of Souls album. It's a two-part discussion, and it features talk about every single song and how it was made, the atmosphere in the studio, 
and Toby also goes into great detail about when Gene and Paul let him and the rest of the band know that the reunion tour was on. Check it out at decibelgeek.com. It's also available on iTunes and Stitcher. One thing while we're talking about a lot of different podcasts, obviously one of the most well-known, Pod is Jericho, had both Gene Simmons recently and has had Paul Stanley. And I really, I think those are fantastic because, you know, I think through Jericho's own fame and he's been able to kind of connect with them on a very, you know, close level. They've given him some really great interviews that I think just, they sound like very casual conversations. You know, but even that, like Jericho has his podcast and he brought his name to it. Mm-hmm. If the WWE could do things like, you know, bring Jericho's podcast to the network or could make, you know, team up with with Gene and do movies that stream on the network. I mean, obviously, WWE Network is a very unique platform that allows, you know, a lot of content. I mean, if they could, I think they could really turn the WWE Network into something bigger than just wrestling. I mean, you look at something like Netflix has obviously a lot of variety of content. If WWE Network all of a sudden offered you, you know, for your subscription, maybe you can get the new WWE movies or something. I think they could really build something up. So, you know, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's obviously something that, uh, you know, the more content, the better. The rock and wrestling connection. There you go. By the way, I think right now we should unveil it. You and I, the podcast is challenging KST to a wrestling match. (laughs) The podfather, Ken Mills, the Wookiee, Matt Porter, and Craig Crazy Crazy Nights Cohen challenge KST. We challenge Adam Smith. We challenge Des Shaw. We challenge Lee Conrad. And I want this match to be officiated by Bill Starkey. Well, but see, Gary Schaller is going to come running in in the middle of the match and save us, and that's going to be the turning no, point right there. he'll do a he'll turn, turn heel, <laughs> and he'll smash us over the head and give the belt to KST. Andrew Scambetti will do something. I don't know what, but something. And joining us once again as we discuss Psycho Circus, what we're calling Side 2, we have Candy, our podcast question girl and roving reporter. How you doing, dear? Hey, Candy. I'm, I'm good. How you I'm, guys I'm doing? All, I'm all tongue-tied and twisted at seeing you, so I'm blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, anyway, so you have a question for us today. So Matt Porter posted in the Kiss Room Facebook page, he wants to know what your favorite songs are off the Psycho Circus album on the side two, which would be from track six to track ten. We want to know what your favorites are. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite off that side, Candy? I can start by saying what my least favorite is, and uh-huh. I'm going to say this now so that Jody Havnot doesn't get pissed off at me. Uh, that would be uh, I Finally Found My Way. I don't really think that song fit on the Psycho Circus album, in my opinion. Hmm. It's not as it's not as raunchy as some of the other songs, and it just to me it just doesn't fit. If you had to make me pick my favorite, hmm, I'd probably say it's really, really hard to pick my favorite. Honestly, it's like picking your favorite jelly bean. But if you had to twist my arm, I'd, I'd have to say you wanted the best, you got the best. Uh-huh. Okay, well, very cool. Thank you for stopping by, Candy. It's always great to see you. Always a pleasure to be here, Ken. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. And now we're kicking off our discussion of what we're calling Side 2 of Psycho Circus. And today on our show, we have the podfather, Ken Mills, Hookie with the Wookie, Matt Porter. Hi, Ken. <laughs> Gary Schaller. Hi. 
Andrew Scambetti and Craig Cohen. Hello, guys. <laughs> All righty. Hey there. And we, even though this wasn't this wasn't released on vinyl, was it? Uh, actually, it was released in vinyl in 2014. Oh, that's true. Well, where did they put the break? Oh, here, here, right? It would have been this was side. This is the other side one. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, on cassette it was right. Yeah, ten songs is pretty easy. Five and five. Yeah. Was it even on cassette? Yes. Yeah, really? I had that cassette. Sure, for sure. No yeah. way. Absolutely. I gotta get it. Our next track is You Wanted the Best, You Got the Best. Written by Gene Simmons. The fans wanted us to play. We hear and we obey. You wanted the best. What the hell are they saying at the end of this song? Will someone tell me? Yeah, they're they're uh, no more war, no no more war. And I, I, I have I've listened to that I don't know how many times. I'm, I'm always like, what the what the hell are they saying at the end? Then there's a, a couple more of, you know, there's more non sequiturs and like the chorus, no, not the chorus, the solo of Within. Someone just like mumbling something. What, what, why is there so much mumbling on this album? Within <laughs> is uh, if Fly Without Wings, See Without, it's that stuff. Uh, well, no, but but if you listen to like the, the solo breakdown, there's someone like going like, ah, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. What is, right, why? Right. Why is that? What's going on? Anyway, Elders mumbling Calder. aside, I actually really like this song. This is one of those songs when they didn't play it live. I was like, why? This is a great song. In 98, it was probably my favorite song on the album. You Wanted the Best was written by Gene Simmons. Gene commented, it's interesting. You Wanted the Best is the first time we've all sung together. The lyrics talk about a time when everyone in the band was bitching at each other in the press with family. There's always a mixture of affection and bickering. Listen, we're really servants of the people. Ultimately, we have to brush aside our internal differences for the greater of the whole and the greater good, which is the fans. At least we owe them is to shut up and get on stage and put out. Okay. This song started <laughs> out life in 1977. It was called Just Give Me Love, although Gene would drastically rework the song to make it the story of the band members. According to Gene, Tommy plays lead guitar, including the guitar solo on this track. However, Tommy has also suggested that the guitar may have been Ace. This song was the second U.S. radio single which reached number 22 on the mainstream rock track charts. Uh, Gene's, Gene's wrong, and, and uh, Tommy's wrong. It's Ace on lead guitar. Un, unmistakably Ace. Well, actually, Tommy says it might be Ace. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is that is Ace Fraley on lead guitar. Okay. No doubt about it. I mean, I don't know. Wait, James, wait, you, you, you said it wrong. You got to say it like, Ace Fraley on lead guitar. guitar. Not shock me. Yeah. Greg Cohen, your thoughts on You Want It the Best? I love this song. And if you're able to get past how sort of hypocritical it is, <laughs> it's a really good tune. I love the trade-off vocals. I love the digs they're taking at each other. It's funny. My niece has recently, in the last couple of years, started to get into Kiss. And we listened to this album on a road trip. And when this song came on, she was sort of incredulous listening to the lyrics and shaking her head and just in amazement at how they were singing to each other. Mm -hmm. 
So she, I also did she questioned the mumbling at the end too. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think she was still getting over the fact that they were taking these digs at each other. <laughs> I, I also really, really, really love those gang sort of ah vocals that they do. Really, really cool. The song has a great flow. It's got a great groove. And like I said, you get to hear all four guys singing, which is just really, really special. Matt Porter? Yeah, I love all the voices on one song, but I think the lyrics, I wish the lyrics weren't them fighting. You know, it's like at first you go, okay, maybe they're, they're yelling at the critics who are telling them to stop or whatever. But especially in light of the last couple of years, you can almost take everybody's different line and realize that, you know, that it really is them kind of snick, snip, sniping with each other. And I think in a way, in a song that's supposed to be about unity and you want the best, it is them fighting. And it's almost like a recorded version of all the conversations that come up now. Well, who made you the boss? Oh, well, you know, I should do what I want to do. And, you know, the line, let's make up or break up, right? Yeah, that's the reunion tour because we've seen better days and it would be nice to make a lot of money, wouldn't it? So it's like, uh, you know, I think in a way I wish that the lyrics were more of the four of them together rather than arguing. If we would have had a little more raise your glasses in this song. Right. Spill a little of that over into this. Yeah. You know, one thing I absolutely hate is when I hear fake laughter on an album or a song. And by that, I mean, like, you'd have a hair metal band where, like, to be... I, there's a video f for a song by Cinderella, and they all go like, ah, <laughs> and it just sounds so fake and insincere, you know, as opposed to, like, David Lou Roth, who was always able to sell. He was having a good time. <laughs> Look at all the fucking people here today. <laughs> but well, not, well, that wasn't my real laugh. That was a compilation of my laughs. In but, future Kiss recordings, Ace Fairley's laugh. Yeah, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that That's sick how I just knew where you were going with that? Exactly. <laughs> yep. Something wrong with all, all of us. But, yeah, we're Kiss fans. Hi, Mom. Exactly. But, <laughs> to me, this is like, this song is like forced fake laughter. So, yeah. that kind of. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to. I'm, I'm, I'm like halfway there. Like, I'd like to think that we know they had a good time, even when they had a shitty time. Is the thing, right? Because even during the like the 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 pits of you know when at ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, when everything was was supposedly going to hell, if you got those four guys in a room and started talking shit about Kiss, that solidarity would come out. Right. You know, like just I think the same thing is true today. You get those four guys in a room and start talking shit about Kiss or the Kiss fans or liking Kiss. I think it's like, boom, we are one. You yeah, know, and like, like <laughs> wait a second. I can badmouth Peter in my book, but you say it in front of us. That's right. 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 And so I don't I actually don't know about that because I've heard Paul Stanley badmouth Peter Chris. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that if they're at a thing, let's say that they were getting together to do a new box set or something. Just release it. And somebody, you know, grabbed at Peter, Paul would be one of the first people. Just like we played in the last episode, the uh, thing where Peter's telling the guy to, he's going to shove, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the uh, laser pointer, and then Paul, like, jumps to his defense. So I, I, I dig where you're coming from, Gary, that it's KISS is a gang, and you're either with them or against them. And that's, that's like, like, I think in some ways Gene is always the most faithful member to kiss at that point meaning that if Paul says okay they're in then Gene's like okay they're in yeah. you know it, they, they've been jumped in again and 
right you know he kind of just takes the the company line in that respect so yeah and that's the thing it's like being a kiss fan and looking at looking across the 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 membership in the band it's like you're looking at 10 different ways to love the same thing yeah absolutely you know or 11 what these (laughs) these go to 11 matt how many people picked you wanted the best as their favorite you wanted the best it looks like four chris medic robert evans keith doyle and chris taylor Ah, well, they wanted the best, and hopefully they're happy with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Our next track, Raise Your Glasses. Matt Porter. You know, obviously a very triumphant kind of song. I always kind of thought it would be great at the end of one of those like alien invasion movies where now the aliens are all destroyed and we're going to all celebrate or an Olympics montage or something like that. I don't know. The uh, the alternate version, if you heard that demo where he says everybody loves a winner, uh-huh. I think, you know, clearly they were going for something like that. Like it, it seems custom made for some kind of sports montage. I always kind of think of it as almost a New Year's Eve song. You know, what's one thing that everybody kind of celebrates, you know, 4th of July or whatever, and, and of course you're going to drink and it's raise your glasses, and uh, I like it. it. I mean, it's it's maybe a little too over the top with its kind of celebration, but I like it a lot. Well, speaking of over top and raising your glasses, I know that this Paul Stanley Holly Knight pen song is one of the montages that Craig Cohen works out to prior to either recording the Slycast or the podcast. Am I right, Craig? You, you got me. I mean, you, you you put the headband on and you sweat to this song. <laughs> you got to see some of the montages that are out there of me working out. It's, it's him working respect. out and, and his cat sitting on the bed looking at him like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> All right, so your thoughts on this song, sir? Matt, this also, I think Paul was hoping for a beer commercial. Right, right. Um, As opposed to a Folgers one. (laughs) Right. Oh, God. This is your wake-up call. Time to reach and go for it all. Folgers stirs inside of me, and I know what I can be. Limit is the sky. Hey, world, watch me This song for me is it's half a good song. I really like the verses and the the intro, but the chorus for me just is a little too much. So it's it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album, even though it is a great song to work out to. I think that <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think this is Paul trying to do a Queen type anthem. Right. Gary Schaller? I'm with Craig on the uh, capturing Paul's voice at its finest thing. And and the headband and the lycra band. I'm with Craig on the workout song. You, you, sorry, you guys ever see the movie Wet Hot American Summer? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. You know that like fake workout song, like mm-hmm. the Show Me the Fever. You know what I'm talking <laughs> right, about? Right. Right. Yeah, this could be that. Um, yeah, but but like Paul's voice, you know, you got it. You know, like at the end, like you know, uh, come on, you know, like all that stuff that he's doing, just gorgeous singing. You know, no auto tune, none of that. Mm-hmm. Just pure Paul at his finest. And doing all these overdub vocals where it's Paul, Paul, and Paul, mm-hmm. like Gene is on We Are One, but yeah. the blending is beautiful. Really good. Great Absolutely. great guitar playing on this song, too. Great solo. 
Uh, you know, you mentioned Paul's voice. I think this is his singing greatness on this album. This is this is the the apex of his singing on this album. It's just fantastic, amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any better, Paul. And it and it was it. a great a great stretch too, Ken. Because if you listen to ten years earlier, Crazy Nights, mm-hmm. like I I defy anyone to put on uh, I'll Fight Hell to Hold You. And and say that that is not some unbelievable vocals, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Andrew, I want to bring something up, or I have a question for you specifically as a drummer. Yeah. Is there some sort of parallel between the drums in "Raise Your Glasses" and in "I Pledge Allegiance to the State of Rock and Roll" in Albuquerque in June? That's the (laughs) longer title. Um, But is there some sort of parallel between those the drums in that because? Sometimes I feel like I'm hearing the same thing. Well, I mean, it, it well, obviously was recorded by the same drummer. Right. And Kevin I kind Bob of almost too. wonder that if this was recorded very close to the recording session of Pledge of Allegiance, because it does sound really similar. There's actually a, a different version of this song, too. I don't know if any of you have heard it. It's called the collector's version of this song. I'm not even sure where it was released, but it sounds like a totally, totally different drum part and totally different drummer. And a totally different drum set. It's completely different. I actually prefer that version of the song as to what ended up on the album. But again, you know, uh, it, we know it's the same drummer that was on Rage Your Glasses and Pledge Allegiance to Say the Rock and Roll. And I'm willing to bet that the songs were recorded really close together. Maybe they were laid on the same day or, or a day after another. So when you record stuff like that so close together, um, it's possible that you could just just fall into playing the same things just because you're used to it. So Matt, how many people rose their glasses... For raise their glasses on the Kiss Room Facebook page. Justin Boyd said raise your glasses, but he also noted that he liked the single remix better. Gregory Pegg, Brian Bronski, Rick Bustillo, Enrique Altamirano said raise your glasses. In fact, I'm going to loop it all day on Spotify. I thought that was cool. Brock Daggers, Tammy Bullet Donnelly, Steve Campagna, Tim Winchester, and Brian Thuvenel all said raise your glasses. Hi, Brian. Well, thank you for raising your glasses and for letting us know your thoughts on that track. Our next track, Andrew Scambetti's favorite song, I Finally Found My Way to You. I gave up everything I had and never knew But I finally found my way I finally found my way I finally found my way you. Andrew, I finally found my way to you, Scambetti. Would you please how did, take? How do you? How did you know that I hate this song? I've, I hate. I hate it so much. I hate it to the point where, like, there isn't even a version of this song anywhere in my Kiss digital library. I've deleted it from everything, from Kiss, from Psycho Circus. I think it, it was on some best of, but I will. N- I won't listen to this song. I listen okay. to it. I hear that stupid little do do do. That drum beat, and I'm like, <laughs> I hear it. I'm just like, what the? I'm like, why is there like a not not hollow notes? Why is there like a Muzak on a Kiss <laughs> album? This is the worst thing I've ever heard on a Kiss album in my entire life. This Don't is worse back. than When You Wish Upon a Star. This is worse oh than anything God. that Peter. This is worse than anything that Peter put out, you know, post Kiss. And this is worse than this is worse than Anomaly and Space Invader put together. Wow. This is the biggest piece of shit song. 
on this album. Why did they do this? Why did Paul write this and go, oh, this is a good idea? The only thing I could think of is that Paul, because we know Paul is a great wit, that Paul wrote this piece of shit song and goes, let me see if I can convince Peter to sing this piece of shit song. And if he does, joke's on him. I think he just made a record for the podcast how many times you could say piece of shit and refer to one song. <laughs> uh, a- Andrew, Andrew's like, it's like that scene, everyone in this room is now dumber for having heard what you just said. I award you no points, and may God have, have mercy, mercy on your soul. <laughs> I hate this song so much, and I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to make a parallel between Psycho Circus and Destroyer, and right. this was tr- they were trying to make this be Beth. First of all, if you're trying to have a hit song, the song title's already too long. No one's going to say, hey, you listened to I Finally Found My Way to You. No, I, I left the room when you said I finally, because the song title's too long. You know, if you want to make a hit song, it's got to be one, one word, close to one syllable, and that's a hit song. Someone could sing along to it. Oh, Beth, I hear you calling. Beth, Great. forever. Shandy. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah, Found my way. Syllable, one word. Found my this way. This song sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, it was released in Sweden, but it did not chart. I wonder why. It was written by Paul Stanley and Bob Ezrin. Paul nearly didn't feel that the song was suitable for use on the album. The only inspiration for this song was for Paul and Bob to try to write something that was perfect for Peter's voice. Peter was flattered by the song while being disappointed that his own material was being rejected, especially when his own ballad having a similar message to this one Paul and Bob had delivered. According to Bruce Fairburn, we had listened to a couple of things that Peter had written for this record and they weren't appropriate. So Paul and Bob Ezrin got together and wrote a song for Peter with his voice in mind. This is a great song and a beautiful piece of music. Peter weighed in and took on the personality of the song even though he didn't write it. Peter suggested that he and Paul both sing the bridge, which is my favorite moment in the song, by the way. I Finally Found My Way has Bruce Kulick on bass, Shelley Berg on acoustic piano, and Bob Ezrin on the Fender Rhodes. So there you go. Do you know what, you're the only song, and this is the last thing I say about this song, do you know what <laughs> only other Kiss song is worse than this song? I got one. Nothing can keep me from you. Both of those songs, I just I hate them so much. Okay, Matt Porter. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to follow all that up. I mean, the uh, I mean, now look, I'll say it like this: I'm going to come at it from a totally different angle, and people can get their you know things of tomatoes ready to throw at me. Yeah, they're trying to do Beth Beth Junior or whatever, and they're clearly trying to tie it into that. But to me. First of all, again, it's Peter's voice on a Kiss album. I love Peter's voice. I'll preface that with saying I love Peter's 78th solo album. And a lot of people, that's the go-to thing to hate if you really aren't into Kiss. But the, um, to me, and especially where I was at at the time, this song reflects a certain amount of disappointment, exhaustion. There's a little bit of redemption, but by the end, you're not even sure if it was enough because he sounds like maybe it didn't work. To me, this song paints a huge picture. When it gets to that middle part, you kind of think of he's reminiscing about a relationship when it was good. But by the end, it fades back to black and white and things aren't good. And I mean, it's like I think, you know, like Ken said, when Paul and Peter are singing together on the song, I wanted a lot more of that on this album. And it finally delivers. I don't think it's I mean. It's an easy target for people. I mean, when you're driving around, you're not going to necessarily crank this song up in your car. It's not not the the rocker that you're looking for. It's an easy target for, oh, this is the worst song ever. But you know what? I think it reflects a certain... There's a certain kind of song that this is that maybe isn't right out of the Kiss mold, but 
for me, there's, I think you hear his voice. He sounds passionate. He actually sounds like he's singing this song. Okay. Uh It's not just another phoned in kind of a thing where some of the other songs, I think on later different albums, I don't know. I like it. Is it the greatest Kiss song ever? No. Is it a classic Kiss Kiss song? No. But I don't have the hate for it that that maybe some people love to throw at it. (laughs) Some people. Well, I think that Well, it's one of those on the message boards if people want to go to an easy I hate this song. This is an easy song. Everybody, oh, well, Peter's 78 solo album. If you like that, that sucks. And you go, you know what? No, it doesn't. And, you know, it's. I love love Peter's 78 solo album. I do. Right. This. All right, you made that clear. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's now, like, now you're resorting to nonverbal means. Right. You know. Next, he'll start throwing excrement. Craig Cohen, your thoughts. I'm going to back up Matt on this. I like this song, and there's one part of the song I have to get past, which is the intro. And um, <laughs> there's a movie that you guys probably know from the mid-'70s called Death Race 2000 with uh-huh. David Carradine and Sylvester Stallone. Yes. And... The music in that is incredibly bad. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of romantic love theme type music in that movie. I'd almost say that the intro from this song would fit over any of the love song pieces that they used in Death Race. So for me, it's really hard to, to, to disconnect from that comparison. Uh-huh. But after that, I, I really, I'm, I'm really on board with a lot of what Matt said. It's a well-written song. Peter's vo- vocal does sound genuine. Um, and you do feel a little bad that, you know, you think Paul wrote this song to sort of make Peter feel bad. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a good, genuine performance. Uh-huh. Gary? I actually like this song a lot. Um, I, I agree about the intro. It sounds like one of those real Men of Genius commercials that they used to have <laughs> uh, remember those? Uh-huh. They were really funny. Um, but uh, I, I think this song is beautiful. I, you know, once again, sort of the island of missed opportunities thing. When when you hear Peter singing, uh, "Don't give me glasses, don't give me lies," you know, like that Catman, uh-huh. angry Catman voice. What? Like who? Who decided? Oh, well, we know who decided that Peter has to sing ballads for crying out loud. He's got such a great rock and roll voice. Give him a fucking hard rock song and let's hear how that sounds, you know? Right. Um, that, that's a missed opportunity. If That said, if they're doing a, a, a Son of Beth, I don't think this is all that bad. I actually think the lyrics are very optimistic. You know, it, the, 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 the song, the song kind of ends up with him in a room with this woman and like finally, you know, found my way to you. And it's, I think it's nice. It's... Um, and God damn it, what's wrong with uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, Angie? That's Nothing. beautiful. For fun's sake. Any sins any sins that this song has are forgiven when I hear Paul and Peter sing together. So, mm-hmm. There we go. Well, even though Andrew didn't like I Finally Found My Way to You, it, it holds a soft spot for you and I a little bit. What are the folks on the Kiss Room Facebook page saying about it? That was one. A.C. Simmons was the only one who actually voted that as a first choice. Although I think Andrew Scambetti, he did write that secretly it's his favorite song on the album. <laughs> and he's just trying to put up a you know a tough guy face when we recorded. Well, I'm glad that you finally found your way to the keyboard to let us know that that was your favorite track. you got to right, record we'll... a bit of you talking up, I finally found my way, but in the Casey Kasem voice. All right. You and I will do that, man. <laughs> 
lining them up and we're counting them down. I'm Casey Case. Today we have a long distance dedication from little Andrew Scambetti out there. His favorite band is Kiss. Kiss has finally released their first studio album with original members since the reunion. Andrew asked that we play I Finally Found My Way to You because he says it's a cool song like Beth Kiss's big hit back in the 70s. Casey, do you think you could play it just for me? Signed, Kiss's number one fan. All right, Andrew, just for you. Off of Psycho Circus, I finally found my way to you. <laughs> Our next track, Dreaming. Dreaming, written by Paul Stanley and Bruce Kulick. Gary Schaller, your thoughts? Meh. The way that the way that we talk about like Gene trying to be moody and atmospheric and meaningful and dogs without cats and eyes without noses and stuff, to me this is like Paul writing. It's like I don't know. I have the same problem with this song, this song as I do with some of the material on um, "Live to Win." It's like, eh, you're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, the band and the producer were generally unimpressed with the song since it really didn't jump out of the speakers in its demo form. Gene saw that it had possibilities and rearranged the piece, turning it into the form recorded for this album. Gene's notes suggest that he removed the bridge and used a breakdown section as a verse while refining the melody of the verse. This, according to Bob, retained all of Paul's original work but took the song from good to special. So, there you go. We need to speak about the publishing Mm -hmm. company, Alice Cooper's publishing company, Six Palms Music, sued Mercury Records, Paul and co-writer Bruce Kulick, in the October 21st, 1998 complaint. They alleged the song bore too much of a similarity to the track I'm 18 and claimed copyright infringement. I remember Alice Cooper had a line, something to the effect of, uh, we settled out of court, and I had them buy me a cheeseburger or something like that. <laughs> so, you can hear it, but it's not obvious to me. I mean, you know, the the way they run through that one chord, the way they pick through it. Um, but if you really A-B those two songs, I don't think there's enough there that if they had gone to court over this, that um, somebody would have got paid. I agree. The riff is very distinctive and there, but... The rest of it goes someplace else. So what's the point? Matt Porter, your thoughts? You know, yeah, this song should have been on Carnival of Souls or it could have been on Live to Win. I mean, you're feeling his disappointment. I think everybody after reading Paul's book, you know, when you hear the lines like sleeping in a cold and empty bed and that things aren't the way we want them to be, you know, you're feeling that he's going for that kind of vibe. It would have been better somewhere else. And obviously, like we've kind of said a couple times, there are a bunch of outtake songs that I think would have been better. I think if they had put It's My Life in this spot or Body and Soul or, you know, I Want to Rule the World, almost any of those would have been a better fit for the album. It's not a bad song. I think it's just kind of out of place. Here we are. It's on a pretty triumphant album. And now, you know, here he is with the I'm Alone and blah, blah, blah. And I like it, but I think it's just out of place on the record. 
Andrew? I actually really like this song. This is almost one of my constant go-to songs on the album. Like, if I want to hear a song of Psycho Circus, I play this one first, and then I restart the album. Hmm. I love this song. I love the lyric where Paul says, there's a fine line between the truth and how we want it to be. Yes. Just the way that's sung. I love that. I don't hear the similarities between I'm 18. Um, I, I'm not a, a huge Alice Cooper fan, but I have AB'd the songs. Didn't hear the similarities. But uh, just all in all, I really, really like this song, and I really would have loved to have heard it live, whether it be in 1998 or with the Kiss lineup now. I'm I actually thought Paul Solo Band, I Live to Win, could have done a really bang-up job on this song live. Right. I'm actually surprised that this song was never played live on the Live to Win tour myself. Yeah, it's a great Agreed. song. Agreed. Would I be dreaming to say that people on the Kiss Room Facebook page like this song? You had Greg Johnson, Aaron Hathcock, Brian Trotter, Colin Henderson, Jason787, Jeff Young, Jeff, Jim Irwin, and Berkey Collins all picked Dreamin'. Berkey Collins, that's a cool name. Well, if you know Gary Schaller, you can feel it coming. The next song is Journey of a Thousand Years. Gene Simmons' pen song. I know that you probably enjoy this one. Take it away, sir. I love it. It's. I think it's great. I, uh, he did a great job tying it in with uh, both within lyrically. Bookends the album too uh, musically with the um, the motif that we hear right before the guitar solo in Psycho Circus. With, with that being repeated um, by the strings at the end of Journey. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a gorgeous song that that kind of. Um, Tomorrow never knows a little bit. Not not to compare in terms of quality, but right. you, you know, end the album on this sort of psychedelic big epic note. And it, I almost feel like you know the same way that We Are One speaks to the audience. This sort of speaks to the audience in a way too, saying like, did you get what you wanted? Like, did, is, did this give you that feeling that you were looking for? Absolutely, Matt Porter. Yeah, I agree. I think in a lot of ways this is one of my favorite songs on the album. And I think, I mean, a lot of it, like I said, a little bit. It reminds me of where I was at the time in 1998, and I think that the lyrics, like when he, just the opening of that, I know where you've come from, and now the door is, you know, yesterday is gone. Like when you hear stuff like that, to me, this puts Gene as such a powerful figure. Uh, Even like the way that's kind of wind chimes at the start, in my mind, I can build up this huge video, and when by the time he's getting to the roar of the crowd, and you want that comfort and heat and you know feeling of being part of something so great and so big and it puts you someplace it takes me away i mean a lot of time in songs i've heard the quote you know a song is like a car if it doesn't take you someplace get in a different car and this takes me someplace and it really is i think of this era certainly one of the songs i go to a lot the the drums again I hear those repeating patterns that are in Raise Your Glasses and a Pledge Allegiance to the State. It's here again. 
and you hear bits of pieces of all these various song parts either from Psycho Circus and so on and so forth excellent excellent stuff Craig Cohen your thoughts love this song one of my favorite Kiss songs I don't know within the last couple months on Facebook we did a you know tag somebody and ask them to snap name their I think their top 10 favorite Kiss songs and and this made that list on that day and I think if I made that list again today it would still be there I just love the moodiness of it I think it's a perfect album closer I think if Kiss ever does a huge big farewell concert that involves everybody celebrating history this would be a great end for the acoustic portion of the night before they get to the final rock and roll set and actually somebody put together a like a tribute video to this song that I've seen where they cut in footage of all you know the entire history of Kiss up until that point and you know it's it's great footage and it plays really great over that song um, I love the strings I love Gene's voice. There's really just not a lot that I don't love about this song. I think it's just really, really great. And I think it's also an excellent indicator of what Kiss can do and how people have a tendency to sort of dismiss what they can do and sort of think they're one trick. Whereas I, I think this song really, not that you need to prove people wrong, but this is one of those songs that I would present saying, hey, listen to this. This is something different than you'd expect from KISS. I agree. I think it would surprise a lot of people. There was a program, I believe it was called Mix Meister or Mix Master or something, and I took this song and a bunch of other tracks, and you could mix the uh, tracks to fade in and out, even as an MP3, and you could make like a playlist of a continual uh, musical album, if you will. You know, And I put this song going into the beginning of The Elder. You know, oh, very cool. Where you hear, like, the train and all that. Works right. works perfectly. Yeah, and this song could have been on The Elder with no problem. Dreaming as well could have as well. Andrew, your thoughts on Journey of a Thousand Years? Not only is this my favorite song on the album, it, like Craig, it's one of my favorite Kiss songs. This song is just great. There's just something about this song that just makes it, I don't know, just makes it great. The um, the callback to the parts in Psycho Circus and the callbacks to different parts of the album. I just think the song is great. You know, I didn't like it at first when I heard it in 1998. But then when I went back to the album a couple years later, I'm like, this is just a great piece of music. And with the Journey of a Thousand post, the people on the Kiss Room Facebook page let us know their thoughts on Journey of a Thousand Years. Who picked that one? Ron Jones, Joe Lascon, Johan Magnuson. Greg Danella, Craig Smith of Pods and Sods, Fernando Sanchez Meja, Mitch Rollins, Steve Boykin, and Michelle Stockwell all had Journey of a Thousand Years. Aha, uh-huh. very good.
Which leads us to our bonus track, In Your Face, written by Gene Simmons for Ace Fraley. take lead on this one and i'm sorry but god this song sucks i'm <laughs> so sorry if you love it i love you all out there but it just gene could have done better ace could have done better and i'm i'm sorry that i have a negative opinion of this song the groove is good once it's established but it's just the rest of it doesn't live up to it Ace was saddled with it by Gene for the most part. At least that's how we understand. Gary, your thoughts? I can't think of a Kiss song I dislike as much as I dislike this song. Um, it's you know, and 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 that says a lot, given that it has my very favorite songwriter and my very favorite guitarist and and a, a doing vocals that I enjoy. Um, I, it is everything that is wrong with this era of Kiss. It's every bad um, forced. BS trope that um, that pers- a, pe- a critic could level against Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm so glad it wasn't on the on the album proper, um, and 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 stuck on the end as a bonus track. I mean, it ruins the the flow where you have everything wrapping up with the Journey of a Thousand Years, and then you get this turd of a song at the end. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, absolutely respect that that people could have a different opinion about this. For me. Um, this is my go-to when I think, oh, gee, you can't get worse than Boomerang. Oh, wait, it can. There's this. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, oof. Wow. Matt Porter. I'm actually wearing my 3D glasses right now, you there know, you sitting go. here looking around the Kiss room. I don't have this. Uh, this song isn't on the album that I have. It was on that bonus one that came with the VHS tape of the video. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I could see why they would leave it off the album. Now, do you guys have the version where this is actually the track eleven on your album? Uh, I don't because that's I Japanese. know that exists. I do. It's the yeah. Japanese. Yeah, there's the Japanese. Yeah, it's the Japanese yeah. One. So yeah. I found this later. I mean, obviously, it came out later when they put the VHS of the video out. So it doesn't have maybe the same um, impact. It's not. I don't associate it as close. It's not a great song. I think it's funny when people are, you know, everybody loves to say their worst song. How can anything be the worst song when "Read My Body" still exists? Ouch. You know the. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, yeah, it's not great. But I and I think you know, obviously they were smart maybe to leave it off the album. But again, I just I like hearing Ace's voice on stuff. You know, it's like, and I think that's what I was looking for at the time. But yeah, it's not the greatest song. Andrew? When I first heard about this song, I was like, oh, cool, another Ace song. Because 1998, Ace was my face. My, Ace was my face. <laughs> in 1998, Ace was my favorite member of the band. Uh-huh. So I was trying to get whatever I could more out of Kiss that had to do with Ace. So I got the video, then I pop in the song, and I'm like, is this song finished? Like, did they finish this song? Or what What did I just listen to? Right. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't all that impressed. And then, you know, years later, I go back and listen to it. And I was like, what the hell did I, did I watch? Right. Has anybody ever seen the uh, Psycho Circus press conference? Yes. From the Grand Chinese Theater? Right, there's a funny part about that because a fan who's actually a friend of mine asks Ace, 
Hey Ace, are you gonna play Into the Face on the Psycho Circus Tour? Because he mixed up Into the Void and In Your Face. So he actually <laughs> says, Ace, are you gonna play Into the Face? So. What's worse is if he said, are you gonna do In Your Void? That's just, ooh. <laughs> Craig Cohen, your thoughts on In Your Face? Uh, I'll say this, Ken. Um, if I was ever putting together one of my workout montages, this would not be a song that I would choose. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> and we got some fan mail and some good reactions to episode 103, which was side one of Psycho Circus. Peter Gray writes in, Hi folks, Pete in the UK here. Just finished listening to Podcast 103. Really great show again. Lots of stuff I agree with, some I don't. Regarding We Are One in the discussions around that I don't think it would have worked live in the context of a live show, probably would have been a piss break for many like Beth was slash is, where I do think it would have worked is the post-show music that plays the crowd out like God Gave Rock and Roll to You 2 and Stand have been used as. This time, as soon as the Kiss Loves You has been displayed, the video screen could then show images of that night's audience either in makeup and costume or just having a blast at a Kiss show playing We Are One. Cheers and looking forward to your review of Side 2. And I'm 18. I'm sorry, I mean dream it. Peter Gray. Thank you for writing in, Peter. Mitch Watkins writes, Great episode, guys. So many awesome memories came flooding back while listening. It's cool hearing Andrew's thoughts about this era because me and him are around the same age. I'll be 30 in May. And his experience is pretty damn close to mine. My favorite track on side one is without a doubt the title track, Psycho Circus. It is a Kiss classic. Scott Harding writes, Just finished the episode, fabulous as always. And at nearly 47, I certainly remember well the glory days of the original band, but listening to all the memories of 1998 made me realize how special that time was as well. We had our annual Halloween party the night of the Dodger Stadium show, and a group of us recreated the Dress to Kill cover as our costumes. A great time. It was a kiss world, and we were just living in it. Agreed, Scott Harding. We'd like to thank everybody that listens, and you can either get in touch with us over at the Kiss Room Facebook page or the Podkist Facebook page. You can also leave us reviews on iTunes. And someone by the username of I'm Your Boyfriend Now, Nancy, wrote on iTunes, You wanted the best? Well, this is it. Five-star rating. If you're a member of the KISS Army and don't listen to the podcast, then turn in your card and t-shirt now. Led by the pod father himself, Ken Mills, these are all powerful and attractive men. I honestly consider each and every member of this podcast to be unofficial members of KISS and, of course, part of Mr. Starkey's cabinet, if you will. Kiss has been there for me in great times and in bad, and in every episode makes me feel like I'm right there with them discussing all of these moments in my Kiss fandom as well as theirs. Hopefully someday I can tell my own Kiss story. Hats off to the podcast. Rock and roll all night. Come on, come on, and party every day. Thank you, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Uh, seems weird calling you that. And Dave Gordon 48 writes... I like it with a five-star review. It sounds like a conversation I would have about the band. Nothing smug or hip. Just people who like the band having a discussion. I really like it when they do an episode on one side of one album. It helps me appreciate the record more. Well, we hope you enjoyed our look at side one and side two of Psycho Circus. And now, Matt 
Do you know which song took it as far as the most votes? I think I didn't actually go back and count. I think Psycho Circus had the most. Actually, a couple people, Javier Boaster and John McGee also voted for In Your Face. Uh, and there was a couple actual votes. Candy said, I like all of them, but I picked I Finally Found My Way just to piss off Jody Have Not. Um, <laughs> Carrie Monroe said, I can't choose just one because it's one of the best albums and none of the songs sound the same. Michael Curiel also noted he liked all of them. Um, Peter John Rivera said Journey of a Thousand Years. Well, hell, he can't pick any of them. He loves them all. Ted Decker said it's a really cool. It's really cool how everyone gets something different out of the album. You know, he commented on the on the thread with all the different answers. There was a couple really the the one strong song that the one song that seemed to get the most kind of actual comments was We Are One. Corey Nowlin said, I can vividly remember hearing the song for the first time, and it hit me on an emotional level. I kind of teared up. Can't deny it. Great stuff from Gene. And Daniel Diaz writes, Everything I know, what I know is true. Every one of us is inside of you. Is such a great truth that I can't imagine another line closer to the, the, my feelings for this band, which I thought was great. That is uh, Brian Bennett also said, We Are One. Always thought they should close this with this even though it would be redundant after rock and roll all night. Uh, Robert Colbreth said, my favorite line of We Are One is you always laugh when you want to cry, and that that hits home for him every time. Uh, and then there was one comment, actually, Phoenix Phil wrote, Within is one of the better tracks. However, I must say that I vastly prefer songs that didn't make the album, like It's My Life, Body and Soul, Sweet and Dirty Love and Sister to anything that's on the album. So there's, you know, there's even more to explore, obviously, with that group of demos that has been circulating. Which we will talk about on an upcoming episode. <laughs> nice. And if I missed anybody's name or I said it wrong, you know, there's a team of chimps that work for the Kiss Room Facebook page to compile the list, and, uh, you know, we'll blame them. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's the monkeys. Uh, <laughs> But before we go, Nigel Drainer sent a clip in, and here are his thoughts and what Psycho Circus means to him. Psycho Circus was my first new quote-unquote Kiss album, and it was such an exciting time to be a fan. The album gets a lot of hate, but if you put aside the band member drama, it is a more honest Kiss record than many of them. We Are One and Journey of a Thousand Years sees a more mature demon who doesn't feel the need to rewrite Dr. Love or God of Thunder again and again. The Gene demos that exist from the Psycho Circus sessions are also stellar tracks. Anytime Gene channels the Beatles, it's always successful. I honestly think that's what's missing for me on the modern Kiss records. Psycho Circus, the title track, is one of the best Kiss songs, period. Sure, it's a callback to Detroit Rock City, but it works. Yes, Paul's songs are cheesy, but for a 12-year-old discovering Kiss, those Climbing the Mountain songs were pretty inspirational to me and stay with me to this day. I actually knew Into the Void before I had ever even heard Shock Me. I love that song like a sloppy cheeseburger. That signature meat and potatoes kiss sound. As contrived as I Finally Found My Way is, it's fun to hear Paul and Peter singing on a ballad together. I would have loved to hear a hard rock song by Pete on the record. I always dug the 3D cover, but I wonder why they showcased the random scary clown instead of themselves. I guess they were trying to tie it all in with the McFarlane comics, toys, and games. I remember showing the album cover to kids at school, and a few of them said, What is this? They're ripping off the insane clown posse. That really annoyed me for some reason. 
The CD came with the interactive screensaver, which I downloaded onto my teacher's computer at school. I assumed she would love it. She didn't. When the official vinyl release was put out in 2014, I was really impressed by the effort Universal put into making that one look great. I may love this record for a lot of nostalgic reasons, but I think it's a much better record than a lot of people want to admit. It's definitely in my top 5. Can we talk about the production of this record? Probably the best produced KISS album ever. Such a crisp sound. How could they not get that sound for the more recent records is beyond me. When Fox announced the KISS Halloween weekend with Millennium, Mad TV, and the Dodger Stadium show, I was beyond excited. I had a tape ready to record every second. This was my Paul Lind moment. Any fan of that time has to admit how amazing it was that Fox was practically KISS TV for an entire weekend. Regarding the Millennium episode, I remember having no idea that Paul played the movie director at the beginning until much later. At that point, I'd really only seen Gene out of makeup, and Paul had that short gray hair too. To this day, I still love the Psycho Circus concert segment of the episode. It looks way better than the music video ever did. Does anyone remember the commercial Kiss did that promoted Jurassic Park The Lost World when it was on Fox? Now that's an awesome crossover. Now on to Mad TV, well what can you really say? They came off as cool and funny at the same time. The action figure commercial was laden with so many in-jokes. Kiss take Nicole Sullivan to the prom, Kiss versus Michael Jackson, Kiss goes trick-or-treating. Mad TV centered the entire episode around them. That's way more than Saturday Night Live ever would have done, even if the band had appeared on the show. Now on to the really only negative aspect of the weekend, the live concert broadcast from Dodger Stadium. It was promoted for weeks, a KISS concert, live on TV, on Halloween. I had my VCR running and couldn't wait to finally own a full KISS show on video. Up until this time, the only footage of KISS I had was Phantom of the Park and the Lick It Up video. Turns out, unfortunately, they only showed one and a half songs and then cut to local programming. Worse yet, the half hour they broadcasted was mostly Nicole Sullivan and Ari Spears ad-libbing with the crowd, mixed with an occasional cut to the Smashing Pumpkins or the Psycho Circus stunt show. I was like, what's with all this filler? I just want to see Kiss, dammit! If I recall, the audio mix for the broadcast was also terrible because I could barely hear Gene and Ace singing backup on Psycho Circus. That was a letdown even at that age, but it didn't stop me from watching the tape over and over again. The following month, I actually went to New York City to perform in the Macy's Parade with my middle school. The night we got in on the train, we made it into the city and found a restaurant to eat at. I looked around and noticed tons of people in KISS shirts. Turns out it was the same night that KISS played at Madison Square Garden. I was so upset thinking I had just missed a real live KISS show, and in New York no less. At that point, I had never seen them live and would have to wait two more years to accomplish that. All in all, this entire era is cemented in my memory as the time my fandom for KISS really went into high gear, and it never really slowed down since. Welcome to the show! So, overall, guys, thumbs up, thumbs down on the album, Matt Porter? Thumbs way up. Yeah, I love it. So raise your glasses to that, Craig Cohen. Thumbs up. I, I This was an album that's funny that I had listened to a lot before I even knew we were going to get around to this um, for the podcast. I started listening to this uh, a whole bunch probably over the summer, and then I've just continually been spinning it. So uh, I'm so glad we finally got... So it's, but, workout tape wor- it's workout tape worthy? <laughs> yes. There's a couple songs that don't reach the beats per minute you need, but yeah. Well, um, I finally found my way. Let you, you know, have a drink cool of water, towel off. <laughs> I yeah. defecate to that song. 
Jesus. <laughs> wow. Peter Chris, please send all hate mail to Andrew Scambetti, care of Mr. Speed. Good lord. Andrew, thumbs up, thumbs down, where are you at? Thumbs way up, even with I finally found my way on this album. This was the first Kiss album I bought new, like I said before. So this takes me back to being 13 years old. Just like I'm sure listening to you know, Destroyer takes you back, Ken. So listen to this album. I remember what I was doing. I remember sitting on the floor in my bedroom with my boombox, listening to this and watching Kiss on Fox on a 13-inch tube TV. So this is all good for me. Two thumbs way up. Did you notice how that little prick just threw in a codependent uh, dig at my age? Did you did you hear that? <laughs> wow. Or is it the roar of the crowd? Anyway, I love you, Andrew. Edit that out. Oh, edit that out. <laughs> so, Gary, thumbs up, thumbs down. Where are you at? It's part of history, and it's an important part of history. I like too much of the music to dismiss it offhand. It's a little painful to listen to because it's a bit of a, a heartbreak. And I give it thumbs up. I'm uh, tilting kind of an angled thumbs up. Yeah. About 80%. The moments that are great on Psycho Circus are great. The moments that aren't, well, they're not. Boy, Captain Obvious, thank you for that. You no, know, but you're right. I mean, look, we, we, we're a KISS podcast. We, we wax poetic about things that we adore and, and albums where we just love. Like when we did the Dress to Kill roundtable, it was like, love it, love it, love it, love it. You know, th- 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 this is, uh, for us, it's, it's meaningful when we say, gee, I sort of like it. Right, because we're the harshest critics this band will ever have. Right. And we told folks on the Podkist Facebook page that if they shared episode 103 to their friends on Facebook, we would mention their name on the show. So here we go. Dave McMullen, Pete LaRussa, Andrew Kiss, Matt Bradshaw, Brian Thuvenhall, Jamie Diaz, George Savastino, Darren Wood, Rosetta Candy, Dustin Lytle, Justin Hayes, Paul Sills, KST, Decibel Geek, The Kiss Room, and Strange Ways. Thank you for sharing it up, everybody. Hey, can I just say something really quickly about the packaging? Sure. Okay. Just because I know that, uh, Andrew, you were talking about the, you like the 3D album cover. Yeah, I actually yeah, I love it. I have to say, next to, I liked it at the time, but in retrospect, next to um, Carnival of Souls, I, I would say that this, this might be my least favorite Kiss uh, album cover, just because it, it's like it, it looks like a blurry mess, you know, when you look at it like just dead on. Uh-huh. Um, and I will also say that uh, on the flip side of that, I, I like the fact that uh, the band almost approached the liner notes as though they were recruiting a whole new bunch of fans. They right. said who pl- sang on each song because, like, assuming that new listeners might not know for sure. Um, and they made a big deal, I think, of if I'm not mistaken, saying like. Not just the band's name, the band member's name, but also having like the name of each character right. somewhere in the artwork. Right. And I thought that was cool. Does yeah. anybody else think that something happened to the artwork of Psycho Circus as time goes on? Because I feel like when I got the CD, it worked and I could see the curtain opening. But now I feel like, why is the curtain like swimming? Like, what's going on? Because you're not 13 anymore. You're right. No, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Boom. I'm looking at it right now. It still looks good. It it opens and closes. I wish they were photos on the side, not those drawings, though. That's the only thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There is also, real quick, we want to mention that there is a version of this album that is a double-disc set, and it's got the band live in Terry Haute, Indiana, doing 
within and Psycho Circus and into the void so it's definitely worth finding if you can get it cheap enough and I've, I've found it uh, several places fairly cheap so do a search on Amazon or eBay or wherever it's it's definitely worth getting For I, actually I the live it. versions on the those that bonus disc supersedes the live versions on the Millennium disc my yes. opinion absolutely totally. oh, it, that, that's, that sounds them. awesome definitely yeah it's, it's what a live 4 could have and should have been um, I just want to I want to pop something in here just for a second as we're as we're all here and I I uh, didn't want to forget it. I had just a terrible week at work. Um, it, I, I don't usually complain about what I do. I love what I do and I I love um, I love whom I work the people I work with. I just had a terrible week at work and one of the things I was looking forward to all week was this. I I want to I just want to say that I am grateful for this band, for this podcast and for all of you. Um, that, that who are doing this this morning and everyone who's going to listen to it, um, and and while we complain about things, I'm, I always feel grateful, even just to have stupid fun things to complain about. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and I'm I really appreciate taking this time this morning. If I don't say this, like we talk about the missed opportunities in history, I don't want this to be one. I had such a shitty week, and this is so nice to sit here and do this. So thank you. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that, Gary, and say I had such a shitty time yesterday that this made my weekend. Well, there you go. All right. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our discussion of side two of Psycho Circus. Up next, an interview with the band around the time that Psycho Circus came out. So we want to thank everybody for being part of this. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ken. We raise our glasses <laughs> to our loved ones. Nice. Right on. And I love you guys. Love you back. Group hug. Group hug. <laughs> Group hug. All right. Everyone around the nation, raise your glasses. Raise your glasses. I'm so glad I finally found my way to you guys. I am. Oh, too. come on. <laughs> we are one. We are a scene, man. All right. All right Tear it up. Stay, nice, guys. Guys. stay right safe. Stay safe. Yeah. Everyone stay safe and warm. God bless. Right on. All right. Take care. All right, See ya. The podcast loves you. The Kiss Room loves you. And we're glad that you're still with us. See you on the next podcast. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkiss.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at KissFAQ.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are Kiss. And we are your army. Podcast is created by the Kiss Army for the Kiss Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with Kiss or any of its members, past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the Kiss fanzine for your ears. Don't give me glasses. Don't give me lies. Um, um, uh, I, um.
That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Havnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. It's your place for all things Kiss and some... For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. <laughs> it's like a car starting. <laughs> Kistory Science Theater, the most civilized. Yeah. Oh, f- <laughs> oh. F- Come on. <laughs> Respectful. Just imagine Gene it's with like, like a with like a wash tub base. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No wait. Excuse me, Bob, you're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss Podcast on the web. History Science Theory. We bust balls because we care. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? This is Joe from Podcast Rock City, where every week, me and my crew will bring you the KISS news of the week. Look at us as kind of a KISS version of Meet the Press, your source for KISS news every week. We're on iTunes, Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. Shut up and start talking. Simply put, there's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about. Rick knows every fine grain of said shit. And then some. We're great at that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, we are amateurs. Yeah, I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. <laughs> Squish. <laughs>